What's happening, everybody? Another episode of Locked On 49ers here. 49ers came up big in Week 12 with a victory, but they lost some things, namely some health. Uh, injury update on today's program. There was the report about Jimmy Garoppolo and a potential trade this offseason from Ian Rappaport. We'll get into that. Uh, some notes on how good Debo is, how good Bosa is, how good Big Trent Williams is coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at the Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. We might dip into that mailbag a little bit for some Twitter questions that we've had rolling in. Had fun chatting with the folks on the YouTube chat on the live show pregame and postgame Sunday. That was a lot of fun. So shout out to everybody watching on YouTube and shout out to everybody else on the audio only podcast. Maybe you're driving to work Tuesday morning. Uh, we appreciate all of you and thanks for subscribing and rating and reviewing and hitting the bells and the thumbs ups and in on whatever app and whatever way you find this podcast we appreciate you croc we got to talk about the injury situation with the 49ers and number one on the list is debo samuel he's been the 49ers mvp through 12 weeks i think that's pretty clear Maybe yeah. even defensive player of the year stuff from debo samuel notes on how good he has been coming up in a little bit but his groin strain, kind of good and bad news. He crumpled on the ground non-contact before he was hit by a defender on one of those rushes, and I thought that was going to be it. I thought it was a knee. You know, I thought the worst as soon as he went down. So the good news is it's it's just a groin strain. It's not a tear. It's a strain. But that means he's going to miss time. The Niners are going to be without their best weapon on offense in Seattle in week 13, Debo's expected to miss one to two weeks. So he will be out for sure against Seattle. Might be out the following week against Cincinnati, which is a big game. Uh, so Debo Samuel, I'll, I'll run through these injuries, and I want you to tell me where you're at on the worry meter with each one of these injuries. Where are you at with Debo? How worried are you that the 49ers offense is going to be without Debo for the next two or so weeks? I, I think the second part, what you asked. I think that's the key there, right? I mean, our, on the scale of one to 10 with just his injury, I'd say it's a, it's a one, right? Or a two, or maybe a three, you know, just because it's a soft tissue injury. You never know how those things are going to recover, but it's not anything serious. And like they said, he'll be back in a week or two. But the meter, you know, as it pertains to the 49ers and this game coming up against the Seattle Seahawks, he has been everything for the 49ers, whatever they need whether it's a receiver or, as we found out, he's a legitimate running back as well. So how do you replace that type of production, one of the top receivers in the league as far as receiving yards goes, and he's averaging like dang near 10 yards a carry? I I, I don't – that's that's the part where I worry because everything, it's just been all him. So do you magically go into a game up in Seattle? The crowd – you know, Seahawks fans hate, hate the 49ers, so the 12s are going to be there. They're going to be loud, and oh, wait. I'm missing the guy who has been our everything on offense now. Are you going to magically replace him? My worry meter on that, it's about an 8 out of 10. I have heard that the 12s aren't maybe as jazzed about the Seattle Seahawks, the 2021 version, and that uh, maybe there's not as many jerseys and, and flags being flown around Seattle before the Monday Night Football game, which is about to kick off. We don't know the results yet from Seattle at Washington uh, Monday Night Football. But usually on game day, you, people are going to be wearing – 
their gear and apparently they're not out and in force as much as they usually are in the streets of Seattle during a season. So we'll see if it's as loud as it usually is and is hard for opposing teams to come play next week when the Niners do travel to Seattle. Debo, it's a worry because I don't want this thing to linger. You hope he does come back, whether it's two, three weeks, whatever it is, he's 100% and he's the same guy. The carries do start to worry me because we've seen, I mean, Christian McCaffrey now done again for the year. All the best running backs in the NFL, all the running backs in the NFL, all running backs ever, period, get hurt. And so that worries me about the usage there with Debo Samuel and how the 49ers offense will look. Everyone else has got to step up. You got to get uh, you got to get your ground. And look, they were fine on the ground, even without Debo. He just had that extra bit that helped them on the ground, that extra bit that's helped them. He's been their number one receiver by far this year. But you got a healthy Kittle. You got a healthy Elijah Mitchell. He came through that game okay even though he was dealing with a couple of things. And you've got a healthy Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon Ayuk starting to hit his stride at the right time. And him and Kyle Shanahan, whatever was going on there, I think everything's cool. And love seeing him be physical as a blocker last week. He's going to have to show up. And, and three catches, 91 yards is good, but he's going to need more catches. And, and George Kittle is a fantastic blocker. He's a maniac, but he's going to have to show up in the passing game as well. The Niners are going to need all hands on deck to replace Debo because right. he's been so, so productive for the 49ers offense this season here's one that the, the worry meter starts to climb the more we talk about some of these injuries um let, let's stay on offense really quick trey sermon ankle sprain he hasn't been a big part of the 49ers offense he's been on special teams that's where he got hurt it's a pretty bad ankle sprain he's going to go on short-term ir it looks like defensively is where things start to get a little dicey concussion protocol for marcel harris you know, he's a reserve linebacker that I don't think that moves the needle that much. But then Dre Greenlaw, who left the game, he's been dealing with that growing injury. He had an irritation. Uh, Kyle said it was an irritation of a core muscle. So I don't know if he meant the groin as that core muscle, if there was something else related that's going on there with Dre Greenlaw. But he's day to day. So Dre Greenlaw might be out. Marcel Harris might be out. And Fred Warner now with the hamstring strain is going to be out for sure this week. And Kyle Shanahan said, hopefully they get Fred Warner back the following week. So if you're keeping score, that's no Harris, no Greenlaw, and the big one is no Warner. So you've got Aziz Alshair, who's been awesome. He's going to be manning the middle. And uh, Flanagan Fowles, Fowles, Foles, I always, I don't even know how to pronounce his name right. Like, Out of Arizona. That's what the 49ers have left at linebacker. Maybe we might have to see some Hufanga action in there. I don't know. But that's not great. I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah, that's definitely something to be worried about. I, I would say if you're going to take a big hit to any position, you'd rather it be the linebacker position because you can kind of do some covering up there and a little bit of plug and play. Uh, again, anytime you're missing guys like that, especially like a Fred Warner, you know, that that's that's a hit. But I do think that's the one position you can. It won't kill you to have some replacements in there. And hopefully that does not kill the 49ers. Uh, Kentavious Street also with a sprained wrist. He's going to be day-to-day. -day, so uh, definitely started to pile up some names there on the 49ers injury report to start week 13. Here's an interesting note, and this ties in well with the future of the quarterback position for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan said something, and we had talked about it, Croc. Trey Lance disappeared. He's not even part of the conversation because the Niners are winning, so there's not as many fans talking about it, not as much media. You and I aren't talking as much about, hey, Trey Lance has to play. He has to play because Jimmy's playing better. The 49ers are winning games. Jimmy W is back. Welcome back, Jimmy W. 
But Shanahan talked about him being a package player. And he said that Trey Lance coming into the game in packages hurts my rhythm. My uh, This is Kyle Shanahan talking. Hurts my rhythm. So it hurts Kyle Shanahan's rhythm to call plays for a new quarterback that enters the game, which I thought was interesting. He hadn't really talked about this yet and why Trey Lance isn't seeing the field much anymore. And this almost closed the door completely on playing time for the rest of the year for Trey Lance because the Niners are going to be in this. Even if they lose some games, if they win some games, all the way through week 18, they're going to be playing most likely for some kind of a seeding. And so I don't know if we're going to see any Trey Lance at all. Maybe maybe there's some sneak attack stuff later on in the season, but it sounds to me like uh, it's too difficult for Kyle Shanahan to be switching quarterbacks in the middle of a game and it hurts his play calling rhythm. What are your thoughts on that comment from the 49ers head coach? I figured that's what it was. And that was kind of like a week or so ago. I think it was Cam Newton when, when he first came in with Carolina. That was what was behind my tweet, right? I said, like, look, the, the Panthers figured out a way to incorporate Cam Newton into the game plan, like into the rhythm of the offense some way, some, somehow, right? And that's why I was like, man, like, you know, Kyle Shanahan, you're supposed to be this offensive genius, offensive guru. You can't figure out a way to inject this young, talented guy that brings a different skill set within the rhythm of the offense. But I figured it was, you know, he calls everything for a specific reason and and then is like, okay, I'm setting this up, I'm setting this up. But wait, let me throw on Trey Lance. Just to throw him in there to use a package, he seems to not know how to do that while other coaches have. I mean, look at Sean Payton, what he did with – his two quarterback system, you know, with Drew Brees and stuff and how they had different skill sets and he was able to utilize that. But for whatever reason, it's, it's more of an issue for Kyle Shanahan. And it kind of goes along with what Kyle said a few weeks ago about Trey Lance knowing the entire playbook, which is what you would think would be holding back a rookie quarterback. And that's not it. It's it's Jimmy's job, period. And he doesn't want to break the rhythm and switch out quarterbacks anymore, which is wild. That That's, that's something that he's changed midstream and it's funny because he's not saying it's bad for the team's rhythm it's bad for the quarterback's rhythm he's like it's bad for my rhythm i don't like it it, it cramps kyle shanahan's style and I, the, you bring up the panthers the best panthers game we've seen quarterback wise was when they went back and forth between pj walker and cam newton like it worked for him they should go back to that because cam was awful he completed like five of 21 passes this week um yeah, so i kyle did it against the raiders though now again that wasn't something that he planned, and maybe it's like, well, it, it worked though. Like how, however, he utilized it, and I don't even think, especially on the first drive when, when Trey Lance did come in, he didn't keep anything, but it still just held guys on the edge and allowed guys like Mostert to get around the corner, and it just kind of made it a little bit easier to run the ball. Didn't seem like there was any mess up in rhythm there but again you know i don't know how he's calling plays and how it's scripted but yeah clearly uh trey lance is not a part of it the other part of the trey lance conversation is what happens next year what happens in 2022 it's got to be his job in my mind that's the way i've gone through this entire process and this entire i mean i thought he it should have the job at some point this year it's looking more and more like that will not be at all the case but he's got to play. You, you you spend all that to go get your young quarterback. So the Ian Rappaport report that dropped Sunday about the 49ers plans in 2022, trading Jimmy Garoppolo and going to the rookie quarterback that is kind of at odds with what the team has kind of put out there Two different broadcasters, I think. And what Kyle Shanahan has said publicly recently about, oh, maybe, maybe it still could be 
Jimmy Garoppolo's job in 2022. I want to get to that next. But in life, we're all bound for different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure. You could be bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness. Immersion, bound for rejuvenation, whatever it is you need, whatever it is you're looking for on vacation, you can find it at Beachbound. Uh, maybe you're bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, I want a margarita in my hand and dip my toes in the water. If we're talking about a summery vacation, a resort vacation, as the weather gets cooler, find a place in the world that's maybe a little bit warmer. Not a bad idea this time of year. A poolside bar is always nice. A taco flight. Uh, I'm in. I'm in on all of that. As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as can be. And with beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. What are you looking for? Visit beachbound.com com today croc actually speaking of beaches and the coastline and vacations i was thinking a little bit more about that week 18 rams game uh, that the invasion that might be coming to la of 49ers fans in red and gold i think that would be pretty fun i gotta find a way to uh to get there for that uh, we might be moving back to the city at that point though um we sold our house and we're, oh. we're moving back to the bay um and this might be a little dicey that time of year, but man, that would be a, a fantastic time. So, hey, congrats um, on selling the home. Oh, I mean, you. that's been the process. Uh, it's taken a while, and then all of a sudden, last minute, we are almost thinking about taking it off the market. Maybe put it on when the when the market's hotter in the in the spring or something like that, and you know, backing things up, backing the timeline up about six months. And all of a sudden, there was sort of this little mini bidding war at the last minute. We got everything we were asking for, and so we're doing it. We'll be moving back to San Francisco, back to the city, maybe just outside the city. Now we got to find a place to buy, which is another ordeal of its own. Um, Crocky, when you saw the report from Ian Rappaport that walked back Kyle Shanahan's comments, first of all, who do you think is the source? He's got to be going to the front office, right? Because it's different than what Kyle has said publicly recently about Jimmy Garoppolo and thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, especially since so Kyle publicly said, I don't know. I don't have the exact quote on me, but basically Kyle said something like, yeah, hey, maybe Jimmy G's, you know, playing his way into being the quarterback in 2022 or, you know, not closing the door on Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022, basically. And for a few games in a row, the broadcast teams who do a ton of pre-production work and have those meetings drop those same nuggets out there. So, you know, they're talking to the coaching staff about this. Do you think there's maybe a different idea behind the scenes from the front office? Do you think he's talking to John Lynch about this? Is it, uh, you know, Adam Peters or is it like Jed or Prague or somebody that is talking to Ian Rappaport? What do you think this report means? And does it mean anything? Because when I heard it, it was like, yes, that's the plan. It should always be the plan and it should never have not been the plan. Question is, how much can you get and can you trade Jimmy G? That's the only question to me. Yeah. When, when I heard that from Ian Rappaport, I'm like, this isn't news. Like, this is always the plan. It was always the plan for Jimmy Garoppolo to play throughout the season. It was always the plan to try to trade him in the offseason. You know, I, and also Ian Rappaport kind of said something that's on you know the same page as a uh, Kyle Shanahan, where he kind of ended with, you know, unless, you know, like if, if he wins the Super Bowl, then yeah, he potentially can be back, right? And that's what Kyle, I think when Kyle leaves the door open for it, you know, one, you got to be respectful. You have a quarterback that's on your roster right now, and you're in a three-game winning streak with him. I think at that time he was on a two-game winning streak. So you have to say, you know, 
oh yeah, you know, of course there's a chance. Because you don't want Jimmy Garoppolo sitting at home and the coach just be like, nah, this dude's going at the end of the year. There's nothing he can do. He's out of here. Like, nah, man. Like, yeah, you know, if but I, I look at it the same light as this. You know, if yeah, if Trey Lance gives us the best chance to start, he could become the starter. It was never a competition. Trey Lance never had a chance. He would have had to play like Patrick Mahomes in his MVP year, right? Like Patrick Mahomes, when he started the MVP and threw 50 touchdowns, if Trey Lance came into camp and looked like that, then yeah, Trey Lance could, you know, potentially end up being the starter. But he knew that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to be the case. When you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, like, yeah, he can come back if he ends up winning the MVP award and taking the 49ers to the Super Bowl and he's the reason they win. Yeah, he could be back. But more anything crazy like that, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's gone and, you know, thank you for your services. I will end with this on that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo definitely has played well, but I don't think it's been like this version of quarterbacking that holds off somebody else. Like that is like, well, you're playing so well. You're playing so good that I can't, I, I have to keep you. I can't get this from anybody else. I don't think it's that brand of football. I think they're actually making a lot of things easy for him. Obviously, like, I mean, he's making throws. He's a good quarterback. He's making certain throws and things like that. But he's still there's still, like, limitations within the offense with him at quarterback. So, no, I, I don't think that he's back next year. And that's not a shot at him. I think he's playing very well. But he just gave up all that capital for a young quarterback, third overall pick. He's been sitting. He's waiting. Jimmy Garoppolo, we see his limitations. We see where Kyle can get really frustrated with him. I don't think he's viewed as like a Matthew Stafford or anybody that's going to hold off Trey Lance for any longer. So yeah, I'd expect him gone, especially if you can get some good draft capital back for him. It's not even about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's about Trey Lance. When Trey Lance is ready, he goes. And I, it should be this week, in my opinion. I, and I know that's not the way they're going to operate, but I don't care if Jimmy goes and wins a Super Bowl. That just gets you more back in trade. Unless, unless Trey has shown you that he's not ready, that you don't believe he can be the guy yet or that he's not the guy, or, or has proven that maybe, oh, no, we made a mistake, and he's not going to be the guy. Hopefully Jimmy saves us, and you hold on to Jimmy. That's a different problem and a different conversation. But if Trey's everything you expected, and Trey is on that path to being the guy, it doesn't matter to me what Jimmy does. It's over. They made that decision. So he goes and wins the Super Bowl, good. That gets that gets you more in trade, you know? Right. You well, and with Trey Lance, and they, I guess, I'm not going to say they know more than, or, you know, or we know more than them or anything like that, but we have watched Trey Lance. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've seen him. And it's yeah. not like you see this guy that can't play the quarterback position, right? Like, it, it, it's outside of him coming in for those first couple series against the Seahawks, where he you could tell he, you know, he looked over overwhelmed, right? But then he battled back late in the game. You know, he started opening up, letting it loose, running for first downs, fourth and 10. Don't worry, I'll use my legs. Making throws, through for a touchdown. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I see it. Comes out against Arizona, throws a pick. Oh, my gosh, it might be too big for him to stay. Then he comes back, boom, 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 leads them down the field. Like, you know, and he did that eight out of 10 drives uh, leading into Arizona territory. So, again, like, I don't see a scenario where it's just like, this is a guy that just absolutely can't be ready. Like, no, obviously, do you want to see a certain level of consistency? But like Kyle Shanahan said, well, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's going to be the more he plays. Well, Kyle Shane, he ain't played yet. So I think he's fine. I, I don't think it would be a scenario where they're just thinking this guy can't play football. Jimmy Garoppolo did the exact same thing this week. Came out and looked shaky. Was missing high. Threw a bad interception. 
I mean, that's what a rookie quarterback does, right? And look, Jimmy and Jimmy, like Trey in that game, came back and, and was a lot better later on in the football game. But like that's, you know, if you're afraid of that, your, your quarterback you're, that you're starting right now is already doing that. And, it, and right. this, this isn't like, again, this isn't even about Jimmy. This is about Trey. When Trey's ready, Trey should play. Trey's the guy. Um, and, and Jimmy almost can't do anything about it. You know, Jimmy's playing for the next contract with the next team essentially at this point to me. And you're still trying to win games this year, but as far as who plays and who's your quarterback, they already made the decision about Trey. Um, and, and Jimmy's Jimmy's been good. Jimmy's been Jimmy, right? We talked about this uh, after the game on Sunday night. It's Jimmy makes some mistakes that sometimes. So, so when Jimmy's bad, Jimmy, and he starts making mistakes, it's hard to overcome because he doesn't make, big plays like say a Josh Allen or uh, some quarterback that might make mistakes, but also makes wow throws to make up for it. Jimmy needs to be highly efficient to be like really good version of Jimmy. And he has been that before. And he was that for a couple of weeks and then kind of made a bad mistake and didn't look great at the start of the Vikings game, but came back and started making some throws. And, um, and he was, he was really good. And he was, you know, your classic Jimmy, let's finish the Jimmy conversation before I get into the notes on, uh, some of the stud 49ers players so far this year is a question from Doomsday on Twitter. He says, at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker. Question for the pod. Do you guys know someone you can talk to about Jimmy's footwork? I feel like Jimmy is also, is also uh, lean back or flat-footed when he throws and the balls float. Would love an analysis of his mechanics. The football nerd in me wants that. And yeah, I've talked about that before. Jimmy's very much, uh, he gets his solid base and then he he snaps everything off sort of upper body. It's part of what makes his release so quick. But also I think it does hurt him sometimes accuracy wise. If you know, his, he's a little, he's a, he's a little upper body in his throwing motion. It probably hurts him really driving the ball deep down the field. I know you have QB Mondays and I know you've talked with your guy, Greg Pinelli, who's a quarterback's coach, a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. Did he have any insights on Garoppolo's mechanics? Yeah, he hates Jimmy Garoppolo's feet. He, oh, like, he's yeah. been telling me that for years now. He thinks that's the big reason why he struggles sometimes with a deep ball. Uh, he thinks that's the reason why on drive throws, Jimmy Garoppolo can lose velocity and kind of pass his kind of tail off or kind of like float. We've seen some die on him. Think about that pass to George Kittle outside the numbers, like near the sideline, where it ended up being behind and like kind of floated towards uh, Kittle, it could potentially have been picked off. Uh, that's because a lot of times he's not stepping into his throws, so he doesn't he doesn't really drive it. He loses that velocity. So I, I know my guy Greg, he says it a lot. Like ah, it's like Croc, I hate his feet. It's good and bad because he's just that's why he's so quick with that release and snaps things off. And it's it's awesome in a short to intermediate era area over the middle of the field, which is where Garoppolo is really good, and you can see it in other aspects of his game hinder him as well it's that's who he is that that's who jimmy g is okay more on debo samuel his greatness nick bose's greatness and maybe the greatest greatness of all right now which is trent williams notes on how good those guys are coming up but i want to let you guys know about our friends at bet online bet online has you covered all season with more props more odds and more lines than ever before and as football season continues, the march to the playoffs continues, and you can find so many great ways to bet at Bet Online. Not only NFL, but college football as well. We've got coach movement happening in college football. We've got a, a tournament that's going to be very fun coming up pretty soon here with college football. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. NHL. 
basketball, pro and college hoops, boxing, UFC, and your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season and futures beyond 2021. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked on. That is promo code locked on to receive that welcome bonus at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Croc. How about this for Debo Samuel? I got a number of them here. I think this one they talked about maybe on the telecast. Debo Samuel, the first wide receiver in NFL history with 1,000 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns in a season the first in nfl history it's week 13 croc yeah he's got six more games like he's gonna put some of this stuff way out there if he's as long as it comes back from that groin injury but uh what he's doing right now is amazing we saw on the telecast his name up there as a 1000 yard receiver through 11 weeks or through 11 games with jerry rice and and to it's just obscene what he's doing right now Here's another one. Justin Jefferson ranks ranks first in explosive plays. Those are plays of 20 yards or more this season. He's got 19 catches of 20-plus yards. That's first in the NFL. Debo Samuel has 15 such catches. But when you factor in rushing plays, he's tied with Justin Jefferson with 19 explosives, 15 receiving, 4 rushing on the season. So uh, that's pretty fantastic what he's doing both – rushing and receiving but how about this one this is my favorite debo stat i think i've seen this week debo samuel is the third highest scoring fantasy wide receiver since week 10 so the last three games he's the third highest scoring fantasy wide receiver since week 10 and he's doing that with uh two receptions over the last couple games he has seven catches in that time seven receptions he's the third highest scoring fantasy wide receiver so that that's pretty amazing. So he's he's been, a, he's been a running back for three weeks, and he's been the best running back in the league for three weeks. Dude, if there's an argument for why running backs don't matter, it's that the best running back in the NFL isn't even a running back; he's a wide receiver. Yeah, you know, and it, kind of what he's doing, it's 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 interesting from this standpoint, right? We look at some quarterbacks like a Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins, and and we always look at them like, man, if you take away their fastball, it's tough because like they don't have anything else, right? You take away that middle of the field for Jimmy Garoppolo, it starts to get a little shaky. But when you look at some of the you know more elite, talented guys, you could try to take away one thing, but then they could beat you this way. And that's the same thing with Debo Samuel. He's turning into like an elite, talented receiver where you could try to take away one aspect of his game, but it's like, well, it doesn't matter because we could just use him this way. And it's been really cool just to kind of see him be utilized in that way where he's a legit running back now, but he's also a receiver. <laughs> like that's his position. It's, it's, it's really wild to see. I've never seen anything like it. Positions football, man. Another OW just Kyle Shanahan wants 11 OWs out there. Hand the ball to your offensive lineman. Maybe even he tried to throw a pass to Trent Williams the other day, which was pretty cool. Um, speaking of Trent Williams, let's move on to that. N- nobody's been more dominant for the 49ers. Like, and, and if, if the MVP of the team isn't Debo, it's Trent Williams. Let's go to the PFF grades here for Trent Williams. Trent Williams is now up to a 98.2 overall pro football focus grade. And if you don't follow PFF grades, that's absurd. Like there's a lot of 98s, 99s when you're playing Madden football, right? But PFF doesn't just hand those out. 
He has a 99.1 run blocking grade. To put that in context, the next two highest marks that PFF has ever seen were Jonathan Ogden's season in 2007, where he graded out as a 95, and Joe Thomas, who graded out 92.9 in 2009. And Trent Williams is way over the top of those guys in 2021 with his 98.2 overall pro football focus grade. And, and I do love PFF when it comes to offensive linemen because there's just not as not, not as many stats. And maybe you're not watching them and you're not playing fantasy football and they don't get their numbers out there. So you, I like to go to the grades and see if that matches the eyeball test and, and see how PFF is grading these guys. And they're out there grading every single snap for every single offensive lineman in the NFL. And Trent Williams is so far out in front of, all of them. It's ridiculous. The The season he's putting up, it's putting together is like, I mean, you know, it's offensive player of the year stuff. He would never in the million years get it, but he should be in consideration. <laughs> right. And he's been very important to everything that the 49ers are doing. I mean, you talked about his run blocking grade, which is amazing. His pass blocking game. I'm great. I mean, you know, to, to, to pay a guy all the money that they did and then for him to have this dominant of a season, like that's, that's wild. And that's special. And, seems like it's something he doesn't even try hard to do. It's just, I'm just hella good. I'm just better than everybody. I go out there. I just do my job. Like (laughs) It just shows up, and he just kicks ass all game. It's pretty cool to see. He's a freak. He's a freak. I think he scared scared Harrison Smith a little bit when there was that scrap going on with Ayuk and Patrick Peterson. Then Harrison Smith came in late and tried to give the business to Ayuk. And then uh, Brunskill, I think it was, and Trent came in late. And Trent just... He's so strong. He just gave him one quick forearm, one quick forearm to the chest, and like knocked him back. And he was like, "Well, <laughs> that's the end of that fight." Yeah. Williams. Hey, I I saw someone uh, talk about the. I don't know if you saw the defensive play from it was a it was Ohio State defensive back and a Michigan player like had his like arms wrapped around the Ohio State corner's ankles, and the guy's trying to get up, and he's like, "Man, what the heck?" And he just rips his helmet off and throws it, and then the Michigan offensive lineman kind of rushed the little defensive back and the defensive back like you know he doesn't back down and somebody from 49ers twitter was like man when you see those big dudes like that you just turn the other way and i was one to always like heck no i ain't backing down from no lineman like y'all just fat and slow like that's my but when you see somebody like trent williams i think you do actually kind of just okay let me just uh let me go to just get walk back to the huddle now (laughs) somebody's as, as athletic as him or make sure you get one of your own big guys in between you then you can keep talking and like right over the shoulder of the other guy um and you do see a lot of that in the NFL. You know, it's it's surprising with with NFL and like they're wearing helmets in the NFL and stuff. But NBA fights, I see this all the time. Like, I'm surprised there's not more really good shots that get delivered because these guys are freak athletes and so big and so fast and so strong. They're terrible at fighting. I don't think they really want to fight. I think that's what yeah, it is. I think that's what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. Last one here. This oh, by the way, one more note on Trent Williams, and this isn't just Trent Williams, but this is uh, this is a big Trent Williams stat. Um, I saw a breakdown of Elijah Mitchell's running statistics, his yards per carry to different directions. You know, up the middle, behind center, behind left guard, right guard, off tackle, left side, right side, and it was a bar graph. And the bar graph on the left is so much higher. He's gaining like nine yards per carry on the left side behind Trent Williams. And then you see when they get, you know, and Lakin Tomlinson's been really good over there too. And then you get George Kittle out there at tight end on that side. And it's a cheat code at a certain point because all those guys together are so good. And it's, you know, it's hard to defend that because those guys block them up. Toss left, baby. Toss left. Toss left. Keep doing it. It's working for Debo. It's working for Elijah Mitchell too. Last one. This one for uh, Nick Bosa. 
These are, this is a 49ers stat, not a league-wide stat. These are 49ers players that have 11-plus sacks in their first 11 games of a season since 1982. Fred Dean, an all-time great for the 49ers defensive end, he had 15 sacks in 1983. In 1990, Charles Haley had 12 through 11 games. Dana Stubblefield had 13 sacks through 11 games in 1997. Roy Barker had 11 in 1998. Also in 1998, Chris Dolman had 12 and a half sacks through 11 games. And then the last time it happened was Alden Smith had 16 and a half sacks uh, in 2012 through 11 games. And that was just the absurd breakout year for Alden Smith. He was good as a rookie, but in 2012, he was just an absolute monster with Justin Smith on that side. Like that was scary. 16 and a half sacks through 11 games. Nick Bosa, he's the next one. 11 sacks through 11 games in 2021. So he's in some pretty good company there. He's a, he's having a really good year, and I think there's even more to come for Nick Bosa. I, I really think there is. I think he could use a little bit more help. I think he... I he comes want, off as someone that doesn't even care that he doesn't have help. It's just like oh, he just yeah, does his that. job, and he's just like... Yeah. And there, there was... There was yeah, I want to play the audio from Mike Zimmer tomorrow with Wink because I want to get both your guys' opinions on it. And I'm sure you've already heard it with Mike Zimmer after the game. He was whining about not enough calls for holding. And it's like if anybody yeah. deserves more holding calls in the NFL, it's Nick Bosa. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to hear that. And they did get a couple of holding calls that uh, we were talking about how ticky-tack they were on uh, on Lake and Tomlinson, or at least one of them was. So um, I, I thought that was absurd. I love Kittle's retort to that. We'll cover that on tomorrow's Winky Wednesday pod. But, um, yeah, Nick Bosa, there's some folks have talked about maybe he could sell the hold better and he would get more calls that way, but he's just not wired that way. He just wants to keep going. He's got a nonstop motor, and he just keeps going and going, and he wants to go get after the quarterback. So He got to flail his arms. He has to do like the – Yeah, right, exactly. You have to do that and kind of flop on the ground or something. You got to yeah. sell it. Got to sell it. That's the next step in the evolution of Nick Bosa. So 49ers <laughs> do have some stars that are putting up some silly stats right now. Hopefully those guys can remain on the field and stay healthy. Hopefully the 49ers do get Debo back. Hopefully the 49ers do get Warner back soon and can continue this run, which next up is the Seahawks, right? Week 13, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, somebody pushed back. I said, it's going to be fun. Craig on Twitter said, I really enjoyed the Locked On 49ers podcast. I appreciate the honest 49ers talk, but Peacock just said the Seahawks game will be a fun game. <laughs> infuriating stressful nauseating maybe but seahawks games are never fun don't lie to us be uh, that's fun for me i like yeah i think you gotta sweat a little bit you gotta remind yourself you're still alive get that heartbeat pumping a little bit a little sweat i think it's good for you all right more on that game more on those seattle seahawks winky wednesday tomorrow we'll have a crossover podcast with corbin smith about that Seahawks game coming up as well. Keys to victory from Croc and I about the Seattle Seahawks and week 13. All that coming up. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. And make Peacock and Williamson maybe your, your third listen after you make uh, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast your second listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Croc and I back tomorrow right here. Locked On 49ers.